It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Flat Earth Dave, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I love the name of your show. So here we go. Well, I, lo- I love the name that you've you've given yourself, Dave, because people are going, hang on a second, Flat Earth Dave, does that mean? And then I'll allow you to fill in all the blanks. That means the Earth is flat. Now, when I say flat, flat is not a shape. Okay, wait, what? flat's not a shape? Flat is a description of level and horizontal. The Earth is 70% water, they tell us. I think it's a lot more because it's a lot bigger than they tell us. Um, and that water is testably, measurably, observably, uh, scientifically, provably flat. So there is no curvature. So flat is the plane of the earth. Hills and valleys, absolutely. Mount Everest, the ocean trenches, but everything else on average just lays out flat, water lays flat. And people have such an amazing reaction to this. They get this guttural like, you're an idiot, you know, and they won't look. And the, the, the funny thing is people that fight the flat fight, the flat earth is they're the people that don't know their own model. Right. So when you, when you mention flat earth, what comes in your head, this comes in your head. Oh, a disc in space. This was put into your head by the flat earth society. The flat earth society is a disinformation website that Google will be happy to serve up to you. If you search flat earth, Right. This is the mixing of two wrong models, a globe model in infinite space, impossible, and we can get into that, and a flat disk, which we don't think we are, floating in infinite space, which we we don't think exists, right? And then anytime any mainstream media um, does an article, oops, I get rid of that, um, does an article that um, they always use this disk, you know, a picture like this. No flat earther believes this. This is ridiculous. This is why people have this reaction. Oh, you're so stupid because you've been programmed into thinking um, something flat earth is that it isn't. And you've also been, I don't know if you want to call it programmed. You were never taught to question your globe model. Like when I was, uh, you you know, we talked a a moment before the show and um, I said, uh, you know, where are you on the scale? You're like, you're, you're over the, the ice wall, if you will. A little bit. But when you ask people that defend the globe anything about it, they don't know anything. Like, do you know the circumference of the earth? Maybe uh, because you've been looking into flat earth, you might know it, but the average person doesn't. Take a guess, you know? I thought it was like 18,000 miles or something. Uh, close, 24,000 miles. 24, yeah. 24, uh, one, 20, one for every hour of the day, right? Yeah. Basically, 24,901, right? So, um, in that, keeping that in mind, how fast is the earth spinning at the equator? Now, if you didn't know, you should be able to figure it out. But most people 
don't even know how to really do thinking math. I call that thinking math. So how fast is the earth spinning at the equator? If it's 24,000 miles around. Well, it's a thousand, a thousand miles an hour. A thousand miles an hour because yeah. you just reverse engineered that from some information. But most people can't even do that. Right. And then the diameter of the earth, the circumference of the earth. We just talked about the distance of the sun, the size of the sun. These are things that people just don't know. And then if they do know, I'm like, how do you know? Like, well, a guy at a bow tie told me. Right. So, but you but you never confirmed it. Right. Now, David, I've, I've, I've watched a number of your interviews. And, and one thing that's been so fascinating to me, like if you'd asked me two years ago about this, I would have laughed in your face. But like a lot of things in my life, the, the conspiracy stuff ends up being proven true. Right. I was at a uh, a wonderful buffet here in Mexico last late last year called uh, Escaret. It's a wonderful place you can go and stay. And they've got this world-class buffet. And I was standing in line with about half a dozen people between 16 to like 60 boys and girls. And I said to them, what's the most nutrient-dense and bioavailable food on the planet? They all agreed that crickets was that food, right? Bugs, which we can talk about another time. But that, that, like, and they were willing to put money on it, which I found so fascinating. And so, when people are watching this, and they're probably immediately triggered, like I certainly was, and I know you probably were when you first got into this, there's people thinking, "Who is David Weiss when he's at home?" And I would love to ask you a couple of questions about who you are as an individual to help people understand where you came from and uh, to have an idea about the kind of person that you are, and where you're at in your own head. So, who is David Weiss when he's at home? I'm a father. I'm a husband, boyfriend, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm a, a normal American. I hate saying that because I'm not like the other normal people because normal people, you know, if you take the majority of the people, they're literally zombies, you know, wearing suffocation muzzles on their faces. Um, I went to college. I went uh, worked in uh, corporate America. I started my own business. I left my own business, and now I'm talking to people like you. And, and what have been the the repercussions from a lifestyle point of view of you publicly coming out as a flat earther, for lack of a better word? Yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Um, you definitely lose some people in your life, but that's only temporary, in my opinion, because many of them are coming back after years. Uh, they finally start looking into it and they're like, hey, Dave, uh, you know, you mentioned when I got into Flat Earth 2015, 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, you mentioned Flat Earth to somebody and immediately they laugh at you, point at you, make fun of you and uh, tell you that you need psychiatric help. But now you mentioned Flat Earth to somebody, they go, you know, I heard something about that. I have a question. How does this work? Right. That's good. Right. Don't believe the earth is flat. I don't believe it's flat. I know it's not a ball. And if you, you know, the best way to describe it is flat level, stationary, non-moving. Um, and that is scientifically provable as opposed to infinite, fictitious, scientifically impossible um, space. It doesn't it doesn't exist the way they tell us. It's actually scientifically impossible when you actually use your mind to, to figure these, to think about these things, which they don't teach you how to do in school. So back to the question, who am I? I'm just a normal guy. Um, lo lost some friends, gained a lot more friends. You know, I always wonder, what do I call them? Um, people that are sleeping and just believe everything on the news. I call them normies. It's not a derogative phrase, although it's kind of weird. I would never want to be a normie. Um, and I, 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 I observe 
people like in social gatherings, what are they talking about? Weather, sports, politics, topic of the day, you know, um, and that's it. There's really nothing else. And, you know, then when I get together at like a flat earth conference, like we're having one uh, in February, the next one in October uh, down in South Carolina, um, every single person there, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us uh, is literally your best friend. You have so much in common and there's never a moment of not having something fascinating to discuss. Fascinating. This world is the most amazing place. And the goal of education and government is to make you not see it and make you uh, just be a good little worker slave. Go to college, take accounting and manage, managerial accounting and take uh, marketing and, and all these other things, and then go work in corporate America and be a slave for the corporate system versus use the other 90% of your brain that they tell you that you don't use, connect to nature, connect to higher source, um, you know, expand your conscious thoughts, know where you are, know who has control over you, which is nobody. And, um, manifest uh, a world, you know, without lack. There is no lack in this world. They just want you to believe in shortage and scarcity. And, you know, we're running out of this, we're running out of that. It's all nonsense. It's all um, fictitious. Well, one of the things, and I appreciate you sharing that, David, because I think it's important for people to get an insight into to who you are. Like, you are not someone who suffered a major traumatic brain injury and all of a sudden is, you know, going down this this rabbit hole. My my own experience of doubting what is known as like the mainstream was when I had 20 medical experts with more than 200 years combined medical training tell me that I had an incurable autoimmune disease and I fixed it with knowledge that I acquired off a simple interview on YouTube. And, and that started this, well, what else are they wrong about? So naturally, I've become quite skeptical when it comes to being told something so matter-of-factly. The thing yeah. that I find so interesting about this flat earth uh, culture and the people that are debunking all these videos is how vitriolic and mean the people are that are trying to debunk that something is so fundamentally simple to them that it's an absolute no-brainer that the world is round as, as we've been told that they have to attack. And in my experience, David, is that when people start to attack, it's, it's, it's an insecurity that they're operating from. So there's something in there. And I wondered if you might be able to expand on that at all. Yeah. So what, what you'll see after this uh, post on YouTube is you're going to get, um, I have dedicated trolls that follow me everywhere. And they'll come in and they'll say, Dave's a scammer. He's trying to sell you a $3 app. Uh, you know, the, the earth is not flat. It is a globe, scientifically provable, but they never offer a single fact. And th these channels that show up... Um, that have been doing it for years. These are the laziest trolls ever. Go to their channel. There's zero content. There's zero subs. Okay, nothing's there, and they never offer um, a uh, a proof. I've, I I have a, a standing offer out there. Take the flat Earth app challenge, um, or or the crash course challenge, which is on my website flatearthdave.com. And if you can watch the first three videos on that playlist, or um, watch the videos on the app for two weeks, the the featured video and come up with one globe proof after that, I give you three Bitcoins, okay? 
Three many people have, how many people have attempted this? Very few, very few. But the globe trolls will come out there with nonsensical arguments, you know, and that they actually it's uh, I have to thank the trolls because their stupid arguments um, inspire us to make even better and better videos exposing uh, these, these nonsensical things on the app. There is a button um, under the Web button. There is a debunking the debunkers. So when you Google Flat Earth, you get all of their propaganda videos. Well, if you see one, it's like, oh, top 10 reasons. You know, if you search top 10 reasons the earth is flat, you're going to get top 10 reasons the earth is a globe, right? Because that's what they're going to feed you. And you'll get um, Professor Dave, who's not a professor. He's just a failed musician. And um, he will go through 10 straw man arguments, just nonsensical, nonsensical arguments. Um, but to the, to the non-thinking person, because of his sarcastic tone of voice and his professor name that he created for himself, People go, oh, well, I don't want to be stupid. That's it. You know, hey, I could watch the sunset and then I can go up top of a building and watch it set again. That proves the earth is flat. Or I can watch a boat go over the horizon. Uh, that proves that the earth is flat. I mean, earth is, is, is a globe. Um, and and then you don't think any further. But then we take those things and we break them down one by one and we show you. Actually, you're not seeing a boat go over the horizon. You're not, you know, you're not seeing the sunset twice because you're up higher on a globe, right? So let me, let me, let's just show you one, uh, one example here. This is, um, so for those listening, best oh, advice is to get on the YouTube. All right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting. I'll, I'll, That's I'll, all right. So when you watch a ship, so, you know, Bill Nye, the lion guy with the bow tie shows, there's a famous video of him showing a model and he drags a boat over the curve and it disappears from the bottom up. If we lived on a ball, which is impossible, um, you would see that. But in reality, we see things due to angular resolution. So if you have an empty horizon, you can get your camera, you can zoom in. And when you zoom in, you're basically increasing the angular size. And all of a sudden, you'll see there are boats out there. There is land out there that you can't see. And that's just because of the angular resolution limits of your eyes. And you don't understand perspective. Something in the distance is smaller, but something small, like a tiny little wave in the foreground, will block the whole, a whole ship or a whole skyline or a whole mountain. And then you'll interpret that as a horizon. So, um, you know, there's, we break down all these things. We don't just go, they're lying. We show you why they're lying. The Globers will come and go, flat earthers are stupid. They just insults and straw man arguments. They have nothing else. So, and that's the thing that I really fa- I found so fascinating about when you were going through. That it's not you never attack uh, that I can see at least is that you're, you've got a pretty good explanation for them. <laughs> one of the one of the ones I find so interesting, David, is the curvature of the Earth. And so, for every every mile or kilometer, however you want to operate, what is the what is the supposed drop in the curvature of the Earth that we need to take into account? So, when you say this uh, equation, uh, oh, equation now people are freaking out, all right? And then you say it's eight inches per mile squared. Um, either they short circuit because they don't like, that's too hard for me. It's the simplest equation ever. I'll explain it. It's very simple. Um, but then they'll also argue, well, that's not the real equation because eight inches. And so the, if you're, if you're standing on a ball, right, which we are supposedly your feet are horizontal to the ground below you. If you drew a line out directly from below your feet, straight out, the earth is going to curve away faster and faster over distance because it's curving. It's not a slope. It's just, it's, it's not a ramp, it's a curve. So <clears throat> the first mile, there's eight inches of curvature. One mile uh, times eight inches, eight, eight inches. Um, two miles is you have to square the miles because it curves faster and faster. So two times two is 
Uh, four times eight is 32 inches. Three miles is six feet. According to Globe Math, six feet, right? At just three miles. So a six foot tall person standing at the edge of calm water should not be able to see the surface of the water beyond eight miles. Not beyond, beyond three, no, beyond three miles, sorry. Because that it's dropping below a physical horizon, right? On a ball. But the truth is we can take our super zoom cameras or even at that distance, our naked eyes, and we can see the surface of the water from much, much, much farther. You know, at 10 miles, there should be 66 feet. This is the one thing that got me. When I went in, when I finally agreed to look at flat earth, basically just to debunk it and prove the globe, I kept seeing all these videos of um, people zooming in on boats that supposedly were over the curve. And, and I said, you know what? I got to do this. And back then, that's when Nikon came out with um, the P900, and I, the, which is a super zoom camera. And I went down to my beach. I literally sat in the water. You know, my camera is like a foot or two over the water. And I zoomed in on a buoy, which was over 10 miles away. Well, there should be 66 feet of curvature, 66 feet of curvature. That, and I was like, wait a minute, something's wrong. This can't be true. Maybe the curvature formula is wrong. And so I went to the debunking sites. The first thing they say about eight inches per mile squared is it's, um, it's not a circle. It's a parabola. And that is absolutely true. After a thousand miles, it starts getting a little inaccurate. There's basically three formula, three different curvature calculators. And under a thousand miles, they're all within feet of each other. They're all within, you know, uh, less than, you know, one less than a half of a percent of accuracy. It's only when you get out farther than that, but you can't see a thousand miles. Okay. You can't see, um, you can't see through the thickness of the atmosphere. So the, the other argument they have um, on the debunking website, and I went to the debunking website because I don't want to be going just to the flat earth side. I want to hear the debunking side. And um, this one, uh, which is Metabunk, which is just a guy, Mick West, who is basically a paid uh, disinformation agent. He says, well, when you're on the ball, when you're examining something, you're halfway down, the hump is between you and it's halfway down the other side, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I give it to him. Okay, so there's only 33 feet of curvature. How come I can see that buoy? How come I can see that buoy if it should be behind a wall of 33 feet? Then they come back with, well, it's refraction, right? It's refracting up. So one time, uh, a bunch of years ago, this guy named Joshua Nowicki took a photo across Lake Michigan of of Chicago, 50 miles away, about 50 miles away. And it was on the news and the weatherman said, it's a mirage, right? Because it would be below the curvature. They admit that the whole city would be below the curvature. So they called, they said it was a mirage and they, they came up with the, you know, this wild explanation. When you see a mirage, mirages are wavy. Sometimes they're upside down. That's called a Fata Morgana, right? Um, but we, a couple of our guys went down to Lake Michigan, got on a boat, said, okay, clear day. We can see Lake Michigan. They put their camera on it and then they went 50 miles across the, the lake, keeping the city line in the camera the whole time. Okay. Well, if it was a mirage, it would have to disappear. It would have to morph out. It would have to come up over the horizon at some point. It didn't. It was there the whole time. Okay. Um, the amount of curvature, the tops of those buildings should be below the curve. So this is what I find so interesting. Like, why, why would people want to lie? I know you get asked this question a lot, Dave. Why would people want to lie about our current existence on such a grand scale? Great question. And uh, I, I, there, there's a couple things. One, they're hiding God. 
But if you don't want to go with that, they're hiding more land. If you don't want to go with that, it's all about control. Think about this. If um, if you had a uh, a pet tiger and you had him fenced in your yard, quarter of an acre, he's probably going to walk the perimeter a lot, wonder what the heck's going on, what's beyond there, okay? Then if you put him in a safari park that was 500 miles around and you put him in the center of the park, one day he's going to find the fence if he goes that far. He's going to see the fence. He's going to be like, huh. He's going to turn around. He's going to go right back into the park. But you put a human in that park, when he finds that fence, what's he going to do? He's never going to stop thinking about that fence. He's going to want to go over there. I don't care how big the park is, right? So what if the world um, was set up in a way where they're hiding more land, okay? They're hiding more land. So if... um. What do I mean by that? So for those of you that are, that are new to flat earth, um, the world is, they tell us Antarctica is at the bottom of the globe. It's a continent at the bottom of the bulb, ten, bul- globe, bulb, globe. It's about 10 to 13,000 miles in uh, circumference. But nobody has been able to circumnavigate Antarctica. The uh, last person did it was Captain Cook. It took him three and a half years. He went over 60,000 miles. Well, if the equator is only 24,000, how the heck is that 60,000, right? And the way it is, the, way it is, is um, the world is set up where Antarctica is the shoreline of our world pond. Think of all the oceans of the world, just like a giant pond, a giant lake, right? What holds a lake in? The land that is higher than the water. The land that's higher than the water. Don't believe me, lower part of the edge of a lake and watch what happens to the water. Well, our water needs a container and that container is Antarctica. It's the highest land on earth. It makes sense. It's holding our water in. So if we were a lake, where are you located? Mexico. Now you're in Mexico. That's right. Right. Yeah. So let's, so in Kansas here, very flat state, imagine you're in the middle of Kansas and there's a lake. We'll, we'll say it's um even a hundred miles in circumference, beautiful, big, beautiful lake. And you're on a boat and you're you know, 50 miles out, you can't even see the shore, right? And there's islands all over the place. That's your world. That's your entire world. At the center of the lake, there's a magnetic mountain, a big magnetic mountain. And so you get a compass out and it points towards the mountain. Okay, so you want to head east or west, right? And so you're looking at your compass and you're on your boat and you're dead reckoning west, but that needle always has to point towards the center. So east and west become circles around the center of the earth east and west become circles around the magnetic north that's true on a flat earth and a globe earth it's not a theory get a magnet put on a table put a magnet put a, a compass next to it and try to push it east you have to constantly turn to the left try to push it west you have to constantly turn to the right okay so now if you want to go south, south is every direction away from the center. So you're in the middle of the lake, you head south, you're now heading through the outer half of the lake. That's the southern part of the lake. And all of a sudden you get to the end of the lake. Do you fall off? You're going to fall off the flat earth. Show me the edge. It's the edge of the lake. It's the land. Climb up onto the land and start for, go for a hike. Well, maybe you go 100 miles, 200 miles. Can't see that lake anymore. All of a sudden you come to another lake. Okay. And you get on a boat, you go out there, there's more islands out there, more land, right? What if we lived in a place like, um, you know, where 
I'm so sorry. I'm just looking for a, a quick video um, where the there is more land beyond Antarctica. Okay, what if beyond Antarctica was more oceans? Antarctica was a ring around us, maybe a couple thousand miles wide. And then you go into more oceans and there's more land out there, extra land, extra territory. If somebody lived on the extra territory, what might you consider them? Extraterrestrials. <laughs> yeah. And if they came to visit you in the inner space, where are they coming from? The outer space. Outer space. Extraterrestrial from outer space right here on Earth. Okay. Traveling tens of thousands of miles instead of ridiculous light years. Light years. You ever contemplate a light year? It's a long time. Tell me. <laughs> well, they, 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 they tell us these, these, they never teach us to deal with large numbers. And the, the, the large numbers they're, they're talking about are quadrillions and sextillions of miles. But let's just talk about a trillion miles. Okay. The closest star is about four and a half light years away. That's 25 trillion miles. Okay. That's cosmically close in their ridiculous, um, and we in their ridiculous universe. Okay. So 25 trillion miles, if you're traveling a mile per second, which is faster than anybody's ever gone, for a trillion seconds, you're 1 25th of the way to the closest star. How long do you think a trillion seconds is? And don't say a trillion seconds. How long is a trillion seconds in, uh, if you guess it within five days, I'll give you a Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, this would be cheating because I've heard you say it, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's like I think it's hundreds of years. Thirty-one thousand years. Okay. <laughs> right. Now just let your mind process that. You've been traveling for 31,000 years and you're 125th of the way to the closest star, and the other ones are magnitudes farther. And you believe that you can see that star. Polaris is 433 light years away, and we can see it. Think about this also Polaris is 46 times bigger than our sun. Betelgeuse is uh, 10,000 times bigger than Polaris. You know, all of these different stars. Why are there only two celestial sizes in the sky? The sun and the moon are the same size. And all of the stars and the wandering stars, also known as planets, are essentially the same size. How come there's no intermediate sizes? Okay. How come there's not every size imaginable? Why does everything become a point of light? You know, you, the, the, uh, the global argument is, well, as things go farther and farther away, you know, you got your sun and it moves 93 million miles away and it just becomes the size of a coin held at arm's length. But once you, if you double the distance, it's going to be tiny, tiny. Well, what if you made it a thousand times the distance? Would you even see it? You know, they're like, well, once it gets to a certain point, it always stays that size and travels forever. That's ridiculous. Light expanding expands, blowing up a balloon. The balloon gets thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner until it's gone. Light is like sound. It disperses as it spreads. Now, if I whispered to you, a hundred yards away, you wouldn't hear me. But if we had a PVC tube and I whispered into that tube and you listened, you'd hear it because it's channeling it. What's channeling the light in space from spreading out, right? Fiber optics will channel light through a fiber, but that light is unseeable at, you know, whatever distance. You with me? Yeah. So the, what I want to know, David, is, is, now that you've, uh, you, because you're, 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 would you bet your life on this now? I would bet my life and everything, everything 
uh, that we are not on a spinning globe. What is the construct of flat earth? What is the exact map? I don't know. Um, we have a pretty accurate one. You know, when we look at flight routes and stuff, uh, flight routes make sense on a flat earth. And, you know, if you look at my app, the flat earth, sun, moon, and Zodiac clock app, when, um, when you, uh, when you look at, uh, the sun goes around, the sun is the hour hand. It circles around the earth and wherever the sun is, it's noon there. Like when, uh, when I, when I, um, when I look at the app, um, do you have my wait? Do you have my app? Yeah, I got the app. Okay, the app. I think it was like four ninety nine on the Australian App Store. <laughs> um, yeah, Australian it's, dollars. It's three ninety nine here in America. So let me. Uh, let but me it's really, pull. it's really interesting. It's it's got a lot of amazing resources on there. <laughs> yeah, here, here. This is just one map I'm showing you right here. This is like all these different ponds, right? These are all the different ponds. Like we live in one pond and there's other ponds, right? Imagine this is a pond in Kansas and then there's more ponds all around. And that could be where everyone lives. But the app, getting back to the sun and the moon, on the app, the sun is the hour hand and wherever the sun is, it's noon. So when it's noon on the East Coast in America, it's 9 a.m. on the West Coast. And when it's noon, when the sun is over Sydney, Australia, I can call up my friend PK and go, hey, PK, what time is it? Where's the sun? And he'd be like, oh, it's right over me and it's noon, right? So there's something accurate about the Gleason's map. This is a representation of the Gleason's, the Gleason's map. It's used for navigation. Um, it makes sense. Is it exactly like this? We don't know because we're not allowed to explore the outer the outer spaces. Well, one of the one of the videos I watched the other day might have been with that Professor Dave, which is very misleading because he's not a professor at all. Right? Is uh, there there was a flight from Argentina, maybe Buenos Aires to uh, Australia? So it did fly across. Like there is a there is a flight route, which I know was one of the areas of contention. Do you have you seen this? Which which route? Which flight are we talking? So about? It was a um, I forget which airline it was, but they supposedly had a flight from the bottom part of South America across. They didn't fly directly over uh, the Antarctica. Uh, yeah, the- it cut across, which which was out of alignment with I think some of the stuff that I've seen. So so think about this on a on a. Um- on a globe, you got your northern hemisphere at the top and your southern hemisphere at the bottom, and you have your equator right around the middle. So if you were a pilot and uh, you can pick any two, any, any random number, any, any combination of any two northern locations, right? Anywhere, anywhere, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, London to New York or Japan or whatever, would you ever need to go below the equator to get from one northern location to another northern location? Wouldn't have thought so. Absolutely not. And no plane ever does. They all stay in the northern hemisphere. Well, if you had those, whatever two airports you picked, the latitude and longitude, pick the, the mirroring southern latitude and longitude. And would they ever need to come into the northern hemisphere to go from a southern location to a southern location? The answer is no, but they do. Right. There's many, many, many the long distance flights that cross into the northern hemisphere. Right. And this is what, you know, the, the only argument globers have, which isn't even an argument, is the lights in the sky that we call the stars, which no one has even proven what size they are, how far they are, if they're even physical. Um, we can scientifically prove that the distances and sizes they tell us are impossible. So we know that's we, we know something about them. But um, the 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 southern flights make absolutely no sense. I was going to make a point. I lost it. Um, the, the Southern flights make absolutely no, 
no sense. Oh, here, here's the point I was going to make. The going from Santiago, uh, South America, Chile to Australia, the shortest route would be right across, you know, right around Antarctica or even over Antarctica, but we're not allowed to fly over Antarctica because it's too dangerous, which is nonsense. Um, they go all the way up into North America. Sometimes they go all the way over to China and then they go down if they're going to Western Australia, which makes no sense. But on a flat earth, it's a straight line. You know, if you want to go to Western Australia, you go from Santiago across the United States, Alaska, um, Japan, Singapore, and it's a straight line if you look at it, right? And then there's also a book that you can, anyone can go, it's free online, a PDF. It's called The 16 Emergency Landings That Prove Flat Earth. And uh, those, those flights um, where somebody, there was an emergency, medical emergency, whatever, uh, they had to land and they went like 1,500, 1,000 miles out of the way to go to an airport, according to the globe, from where they should have been. But if you look at it on a flat earth map, all of the landing sites were right on a line in between. If you draw a straight line on a flat earth map between the origin and, and the destination, um, they're all landing there. These, these actually prove flat earth. But here's the problem. The, all the work has been done for you, all of the news articles, all of the flight routes, all of the flight information, all of the everything that happened. It's all put together in each paragraph, each chapter of this book. All the work's been done. Now, the only work that you have to do to understand that these actually prove the earth is flat is read the book. But most people won't even do that. People are lazy. My uh, my co-host, Jaron, from the Jaronism channel, he he always said, he always says, if you want to be rich, somebody told him this, if you want to be rich, just invent something that'll make people lazier. Okay. Because like, like DoorDash, like here, you know, a food, fast food delivery service, right? Right. You know, whatever, whatever will make people lazier, um, people will gobble it up. People don't want to think. Here's a question. Let me ask you a question. Belief is the enemy of knowing. You believe you live, people, not you, believe they live on a globe because they've never done any research, right? We have to take things on faith and believe them or we'll never have enough time to do anything, right? Where do I live? United States. Where in the oh, United States? Can, was it Kansas? I say, well, I said, I told you Connecticut earlier. Connecticut, sorry, my yeah. apologies. So, so is that a belief or do you know it? It's absolutely a belief. I've got no right. way of verifying it's, that, right? You could well, be you could, <laughs> you could, you could go online and then find me and then find my friends and look at their friends and like, oh, they're, yeah, these are all, places in Connecticut and, oh, I found his high school. Here's his yearbook. All right. Now, you know, but that takes time and effort. And it, that, that's basically not important enough to you. And people say, well, you know, what, what difference does the shape make? I still have to go to work. Well, you're in a jail, you're in a prison, somebody's stealing your life. Somebody's stealing your power. Somebody is hiding your abilities, hiding abundance, hiding freedom. And you don't care. You don't care. The shape of the earth doesn't matter. It's what they're doing, what they're hiding from us. They don't want us to know that our thoughts create our reality. Everything you have in your life is because of the way you think. People that are like, oh, I'm going to just live in paycheck to paycheck my whole life. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, yeah. You know, oh, I'm going to grow old and I'm going to get sick and I'm going to die. Well, you're creating that reality mm -hmm. because they're programming you into believing that's what happens. That, you know what, I'm going to get on, I have medications for my whole life. And then when I get old, um, you know, eventually I'm going to die of cancer or whatever. Uh, yeah, you're creating that reality. They don't want you to know that your thoughts um, manifest the world for you. Amen. That's brother. why. Yeah. That's I, uh, why. 
I agree. I agree with with uh, wholeheartedly with regards to you know anyone that's heard of Joe Dispenza and and visualization of vision boards. Like I have created this life that I'm living now, which is on the on to other people is extraordinary, and I get to have these amazing conversations. And what I'm what I'm keen to know. There's so many wonderful interviews and resources of you going into a lot more detail online, Dave. But what I want to know is is what are some other conspiracy theories that you bought into that have since been debunked that just blew you away that, that are at front of mind? Are you asking what conspiracy like, did they what, believe what did you, in? What did you used to believe in that was like you put your life on it and you found out the truth and, and through your own experience and you witnessed it firsthand that uh, totally shifted that paradigm? I don't know. And I'll give you I'll give you an example, right? Like, so so for me, I watched an interview on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast in 2017 with Sean Baker, who is uh, he's in his mid 50s now. He's an orthopedic surgeon who cured his autoimmune disease by eating just basically beef, salt, and water, and he still lives that way. And I remember watching it for the first time, getting angry at how stupid it was, and I was like, "That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit." Well, fast forward a year later, here I am doing it, and then I transformed into this ultra-marathon running machine, best mental health, best libido, like totally blew my mind. Ended up having perfect health markers because I've been tracking all this stuff for 10 years. So for me, that was my paradigm shift, the fact that meat was evil, right? Meat was bad and causes cancer. So so I thought your question more was, uh, what conspiracy did I believe? And then it turned out that the conspiracy was nonsense. Um, I, all things like that, you know, like uh, I thought veganism was the cure for everything. And uh, not that I was ever a vegan, um, but then I found out that it, it, everyone has their own different needs and stuff. And, you know, the vegans get very upset. I don't like talking about it um, because it's everyone, everyone's personal journey. Um, I believed for most of my life until 2014 that um, we were, random acts of uh, mutations and that there was no creator. But once you understand what this world is, there's a creator, right? Who that creator is, that's your own personal journey. Um, but this place is intelligently designed for us. I was, uh, I, be- I believe that, um, oh, vision boards are so stupid, right? And uh, finally, after I think it was, maybe it was Dispenza, um, convinced me to make a vision board. So I made a vision board. I actually made it and I put stuff on it. And uh, I put all the stuff on it. One of the things I put on it was I wanted to be the CEO of my own company. I'm working in corporate America at the time. I want to be the CEO of my own company. And I giggled because I don't even know what a CEO does and how the hell am I going to start my own company, right? I have no idea how to do any of that. You never taught about entrepreneurship or anything in, in, uh, in school. So I kind of put it away. And then five years later, I found myself in my office late one day balancing out the books on a couple jobs. And I just said, wait a minute, I'm the CEO of my own company, <laughs> right? Out of like, it just happens, right? And it's not that, you know, it's, but you can't just put stuff on a vision board. You have to feel your way into it. Your feelings create your reality. So if you say, I want a million dollars. And inside you're going, I'm never going to have a million dollars. You know, I'm poor. I'm going to live paycheck to paycheck. That's what you're attracting. Here's the biggest conspiracy of the world. 
the the universe, which I like to call the Earth system, the living Earth system, is conspiring to deliver every thought you have to you, good or bad. Whatever thought you have, it is conspiring to deliver that reality to you. You actually have it before you see it. It's just manifesting, and your thoughts. You are the biggest. Your biggest. Your biggest um, enemy, right? You're. Is that I saying that right? You're, you're your own biggest enemy um, because your thoughts hold things away, right? Your thoughts hold things away. You know, the, the old saying, don't put the cart in front of the horse, right? Mm-hmm. That, am I dating myself with that? <laughs> don't put the cart in front of the horse. You absolutely have to put the cart in front of the horse. You have to, you know, f- I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but that's actually a good, a good sign, a good, a good thing. Just believe it, take action, have faith and allow. And then it comes. So you touched on a couple of things there that are really important to me, David, and, uh, you know, talk about veganism. Like, I, I, here's my fundamental truth, my, my core values and my belief. I don't honestly care what people eat. I want to know the truth so I can make an informed decision. And the same goes with this. And I, and I feel that my own journey of transformation has made me way more understanding and empathetic to other people and their outlandish ideas that aren't quite so outlandish anymore. Has that been your experience? Ask the question again. Have you become a lot more tolerant or empathetic to looking at other people's perspectives since you've Absolutely. Uh, one thing I always say, I was just talking to my friend Alex, Alex Stein, and I say when somebody has a problem and they're sticking it, you know, throwing it at you, that's their problem. It's not your problem, right? Everyone has their own issues, problems, solutions, whatever. Don't make it your problem. Now, is veganism good for some people? The people that are vegans that are thriving, I guess it's good for you, right? Um, you know how they say eat for your blood type? There's so many different things going on where different different people need different things. Then, then you can also unwind this all the way back to breathitarians, people that can live off of, you know, breathing, okay? Live off of sun gazing. Um, all amazing journeys and everybody could have their own journey. Um, and, you know, uh, the, as far as veganism, um, the, the one good thing, well, not the one good thing is be kind to animals. Factory farming is horrible. It's horrifying, horrible, right? horrible. horrible, horrible. I'm all for that. Right. Be kind to animals. Um, and you know, you know, that that's it. I mean, I believe that we are meant to eat to all different things. So again, you know, I, I hate talking about this because so many people get triggered. <laughs> uh, I, I am, I am pro veganism for vegans. Yeah. It's, uh, it's such a fascinating polarizing world that we've evolved and, into. In yeah. Well, well, one, years, right? one last thing. If I can find a good vegan meal at a good vegan restaurant, I will frequent that restaurant because I love a good vegan meal. But occasionally, you know, I'm going to throw a steak on the Barbie. Well, here's a challenge. How you say it down there? Steak on the Barbie. Find a yeah. (laughs) Here's a challenge for you. Find a find a functioning, healthy vegan that's not a real angry person, and. And, and that might seem like a sweeping statement. That's my experience. And it was interesting to find out that Amber Heard, Johnny Depp's ex, is vegan as well, which might explain. But when you is start, she angry? Is she? Oh I, my, I didn't follow that at all. My goodness. I mean, I haven't been following it a lot, but uh, apparently she's a sociopath. But um, 
when you start understanding the science, the real science, the stuff that's not being distributed by the CDC or whatever, it makes sense why people have uh, mood issues and uh, and are way more highly strung because they're not getting the key micro macronutrients, right? There's a there's some biology behind that, and that's what I find so interesting about all these other ideas. It's like I'm, I don't identify with any religious beliefs at all, Dave, but I've become very spiritual. Sure, very spiritual, and maybe it'll evolve into something else. But well, just on that, don't forget what you were going to say. Um, the 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 when you say religious experience, there's Catholics, there's you know um, Christian, B- Christians, Muslim, Buddhist, Muslim, Muslim, yeah. right? Woo, going down. Um, I'm standing on a, a balancing board. <laughs> so <laughs> so so um, all of these things, these are your um humanizing the creator you're putting it into something that you can relate to they're all right if it works for you as long as you you know they they all have the same message you know you're the center of creation um and be grateful and you know be helpful you know be kind have charity pray have faith take action and be good right it's all the same exactly right and and for people that um this is something that's made me laugh well, not because it's funny, because it's just mind-boggling. People are always like, you know, if if what happened to the Jews during World War II in Germany, uh, like if that happened in my time, you know, I'd never be one of those people. Well, what we're witnessing, certainly in Australia and Canada, is that's exactly what's happened. And it just shows you how easily manipulated people are. And I, I learned something recently, Dave, is that most adults, unless they're experts or passionate about it, comprehend life at a second grade level it's like eight years of age right? don't insult and, second graders right and, and well if you ask me about native american <laughs> history like that's about my level of comprehension yeah i just because I, I haven't I, been haven't been I, taught it have you looked into tataria mud flood stuff on the on the app there's a couple buttons there start check, it, check some of that stuff out i mean all of our history is a lie from the, the 19, early 1900s and back so in a, in a snapshot, um, I have had a look at some of the stuff, but I don't want to go too deep for our audience because I know their minds are blown right now. Either yeah. way, what are, what are some basic fundamental uh, truths that you've uncovered about our history that you can share, in your opinion? Well, I mean, uh, you're from Australia. I'm taking it by the accent. Uh, born, born in New Zealand, half and half, but okay. uh, last 20 years in Australia. The, I just watched a video a couple of weeks ago on uh, who built Brisbane. If you go look at, you know, in Australia at Brisbane, these buildings were supposedly built when people had horses and buggies, a bunch of convicts li- li- lived there. Um, th- this is stuff that we couldn't build today. There's Tartarian, for lack of a better word, because some people have an issue with Tartaria is only part of Russia, whatever. There was an advanced civilization here. Look at Anchor Watts. You're in Mexico. You got all the, the pyramids down there. Um, this stuff was a high-tech, free energy um, uh, world uh, with far more advanced than we are now. We think we're at the height of civilization, but we're in the middle of the movie Idiocracy. Right? Have you what watched? Happened? What happened, though? What happened? So, so there, there was a reset that happened uh, sometime in the 1800s, we think. And whether it was man-made, God-made, who knows? Uh, but And we know there was reset and it buried uh, much of the world in mud. And if you look, there's buildings with windows underground everywhere, right? There's, there's so much stuff underground, you can't believe it. There's tunnels crisscrossing this world um, that we, we know of some of them, but we don't know of many. Like here in New York City, we have Penn Station. And in the 1960s, it was knocked down because it was this incredible building. And they said it was too hard to clean. So they knocked it down and built a crappy building instead. 
Okay. But in Penn Station, which is a ma- major train hub, there's still tunnels today that they don't use. Like, what? Wait, wait a minute. When were these tunnels built? Where are they going? Right. There's tunnels everywhere. I personally think that there's tunnels connecting the outer worlds together, because if you uh, built this world. Right. And uh, you make it difficult for the people to escape the to um, go find the edge of the world because it just gets cold and dark Antarctica surrounding us. But if you wanted to make a transport system, well, flying an airplane could be difficult for numerous reasons because weather uh, and stuff. But underground, it's 50 degrees the whole way and there's no weather. And, you know, you can build these tunnels. I, I envision all of these worlds being strung together with many tunnels and there's so much stuff, but in the app under the web button, hit Tataria, start watching that stuff. Or in the homeschool page, hit, um, hit the John, the John Levy section and just subscribe to his channel. Um, amazing. Every once a week, he puts out like a 20, 30 minute video. Um, fascinating stuff that gets your mind thinking. So again, you know, all the stories of the Wild West here in America, it's all nonsense. It's all absolute nonsense. What financial resources or other resources do you require to go and prove in a way that is beyond any shadow of any doubt? Yeah, so we have two two things. Well, the one, the, the easiest one, I mean, not the easiest one, actually, but this is one that could be done is, um, you know, they tell us Antarctica is a continent at the bottom of a ball. So you go down to Santiago, um, we fly, we get a bunch of people, we fly to the, the tip of Antarctica, we refuel the planes, we get two airplanes, we get scientists, teachers, flat earthers, globe earthers, and we get on these two airplanes, and one of them goes to the left, flies about a thousand feet in the air, follows the shoreline, the other one goes to the right, follows the shoreline thousand feet in the air and six, seven hours later, they should both meet on the other side. If the earth is 10,000 miles, if the, if it's 10,000 miles around, if the Antarctica, um, but they can't because it's much farther and they'll never let us do it. Um, they won't let us do it, but I have a, a, a simpler one, um, which we're actually working on doing. And again, it's for, for those of you that are new to this, this might be confusing, but I'll make it as simple as possible. Um, airplanes, when they take off, they spin up a gyro, which holds rigidity in space, a three axle, uh, ax, three axis gyro. And so when it takes off, the gyro stays level with the earth. So when the airplane rolls, the gyro tells them what angle they're rolling at. When they go up or down, the gyro stays level. And that's that horizon thing you see, um, that, the, that they use. Well, I suggest that we do, we get another gyro and we spin it upright and we align it with east and west, okay? And so on the equator or south of the equator, we get a plane up, we line that gyro three-axis gimbal and we head directly east or directly west, just following the gyro, ignoring GPS, ignoring the magnetic, gyro, uh, magnetic compass. And if the earth is a globe, if we're in the Southern hemisphere, East and west, east, if we're going west, west should veer off to the side. You should be starting, you should be heading, it should veer off. But in reality, it's always going to veer off to the north. Like, so let me explain that. Let me try to explain that better. If you're want to head east or west, if you want to head west and you go straight and you don't correct to the north, you're now heading south. Automatically, you're heading south. And on a flat earth, that's always the case. Even in the Southern hemisphere, if I head west, 
I have to keep correcting to the right, to the north to maintain my heading. But on a globe, I'd have to correct to the south because south would spin off that way. Um, the west would spin off to the left instead of to the right. But we, we know that it's going to go the other way. So all we need is an airplane, um, some a couple hundred, you know, several hundred dollar gyros, a couple thousand bucks um, and a way to document it. Um, and, we, you know, we can I think we can prove it. We don't have to go a couple hundred miles to prove it. And the farther south you go, the worse it gets for the globe. I don't know if I explained that correctly. We're going to make some videos on it. We're, we're trying to line up some planes, get a little funding together, but it's very simple. And, uh, you know, science says, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the high priest of scientism. Um, and, you know, he's always saying, well, we don't have time for flat earthers. Uh, Barack Obama, like six or eight times during his presidency, he said, we don't have time for a meeting of the flat earth society because he wants to steer you to the flat earth society. If you're looking into flat earth, go there so you can laugh at flat earth. Right. And and you know the the head spokesman Neil Neil deGrasse and Bill Nye they they just they say we don't have enough time for it but they do video after video after video strawmanning us uh, saying just ridiculous stuff about the globe and gravity never addressing anything this one experiment would do it this one trip around Antarctica would do it but they won't do it. Well, one of the things I find so interesting, David, is uh, I've recorded more than 150 episodes of this podcast since May 2020, and I have been able to get some extraordinary people on here, including Nobel Prize laureates and that type of thing, and, you know, yourself included, right? But one, one demographic, I have not been able to get any astronauts, and I've reached out to at least a dozen of them, and not even any response back, nothing. And I just... Uh, why? Why? Like, you know, a lot of them are motivational speakers now. And I, why are they are they burdened with the tyranny of like having to maintain this lie? Is that too much for them? Do you know what's going on there? Absolutely. They're all liars. And sorry. Sorry about that, people. You know, people are like, well, I know an astronaut. They're, they're lying. They're lying to you. Um, and, and, you know, the the moon landing videos don't hold up as well as the movie Jaws holds up. OK. They're horrible when you look at it. You can see they're hanging from wires. You can see that uh, the spacewalks, they're either hanging from wires or they're in a pool. You know, if you look at the International Space Station, we catch them on wires. We catch them using green screens. We, we, we see all sorts of stuff. We see horrible backdrops on, uh, on the moon landings. Just garbage. You catch NASA lying once. You catch them lying once. And you can unwind it all the way to we didn't go to the moon. No one's gone to space um, on the app. I don't know if you found it yet. Hit the web button, scroll down and go to um, go to the. The um, rockets are balloons. Rockets are balloons. Right. If you go to the rockets are balloons, you'll see how they fake all of these moon landings. Right. So you go to the web button and you go down. Uh, Faking space, balloon, balloon rockets, and up come a whole bunch of videos. Watch those. Bye-bye, spaceman. Okay, all of that just shows you how, how easily they fake this stuff. Um, and then if you watch it, like some of the, the recent stuff, Elon Musk's videos and space, uh, SpaceX and, and uh, Jeff Bezos, um, unbelievable fakery. They shot Captain Kirk into space, 94 four-year-old man, however, 90-something. 
They slingshot him into space. He parachutes down, slams into the ground. Not a single paramedic or doctor, right? We have a kid's carnival here. We have to have friggin' ambulances, right? You have a, ra- a road race, a, a, a swim in the, in the ocean. You have to have friggin' paramedics. Nothing. No real reporters, just husbands and wives and Jeff Bezos and high fives. And this fat old man, Captain Kirk, comes out. He's fine. He just slammed into the ground so friggin' hard. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and just quickly, the, uh, the Red Bull guy, um, Felix Baumgartner, yeah, yeah. The the the, um, the footage, they they did come clean and say that it was filmed with a fisheye lens. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like- yeah, and, and and when you look at um, when you look at um at, at the space space Red Bull space jump, um, when he opens up his door, there's not a fisheye camera, and you can see the horizon at the same at the same level as it is when he got in it when it was on the ground. So the camera behind the chair is at the same level and the horizon is at the exact same level from ground and at 127,000 feet. Well, as you go up higher, you can see farther, the ball should curve away, but it's at the same level. And then the picture of, uh, of the red bull where he shows, uh, where he shows the earth. It, um, it shows this big curved earth, but we took the picture. We zoomed in, we saw the lakes and rivers and it's all, it's all um, uh, New Mexico, right? New Mexico is, is now a third of the earth. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, so it's a much smaller the space than what it, what it makes it out to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, like as if I needed another thing to polarize the remaining circle of friends that I well, So here's, <laughs> here's the thing. I was, into, I was into all the conspiracies, you know, the New York event, Connecticut, you know, Boston Marathon. Um, and I, I called that exposing the big three because those things are so easy to expose for anyone willing to look. And then I heard about Flat Earth. And I'm like, oh, no, not this. This is going to discredit everything I did. And then I, I kind of forced to look into it. Then I realized it was true. I kind of kept quiet about it for a while because I was like, I, this is going to, you know, people are going to freak out. But then I'm like, wait a minute. It's the truth. We, we don't live on a ball. You know, and, and I'm like, well, what difference does it make? It does. What difference does it make? Why would they lie? How can you get so many people to lie? It's not that many people lying. And then I understood that this is how they get away with all the stuff they get away with. This is how they do it. Right. Um, because if you're spinning out of control, lost in space, you have no idea where you are. You have no idea the power of your mind. You have no idea what this place is. So. You know. It, it it's uh it's it's truly an amazing thing and when you when you start looking um in the app i have what's called the flat earth friend finder so you lose some friends but if you feel like you're all alone um put in a username right and let the flat earth friend finder load up and then you'll see all of the other flat earthers near you and then you could tap on a button on on one of them and you can send them a message you can check out their profile if they filled out a profile um, and you can send out group messages. I, I can set mine for 50 kilometers and I could send a group message out to 387 people near me. Boom. We're having a meetup at the park or at Joe's bar and grill on Saturday, 4 PM. We just did it in New York. We had between 60 and 80 people showed up. It was fantastic. And then you have new friends for life. Lots of new friends with interesting things to talk about, not weather, sports, politics, and, uh, um, murder. Yeah, right. David, where can people find you? Everything, uh, all my stuff, uh, my app, 
my, if you want to book me, if you want to, um, see my interviews, see my short videos, my YouTube channel, D I T R H stands for deep inside the rabbit hole. Everything is linked at flatearthdave.com, flatearthdave.com. And then, um, if you don't want to get the app, oh, by the way, the app is $3. You need Android, uh, 8.0 operating system or higher Apple iPhone six is the minimum or better. Um, and check it out. It's $3. There's premium features on there. Sending messages. You can receive messages from other users, but if you want to send messages, you want to use the profiles or you want to use the, the weather app, um, it's $11 a year. But you don't need to subscribe. Subscribe if you want. A lot of people do because they want to be able to contact other people and, and get involved in and support the app because the app costs a ton of money to run. So um, every day on the app, there's a new featured video right on the bottom. And I, this is the challenge for the three Bitcoins. Watch that video every day for two weeks. I do short ones during the week. So when you have a breakfast, click the video, watch it. After two weeks, if you think you have one proof of the globe, send it to me, info at the flatearthpodcast.com and you win. But before you do, check out the frequently asked questions because the frequently asked questions page might have your answer. And then you'd be like, oh, I never really thought about that. You know, I never, uh, Aristophanes and his sticks and shadows. I see how that doesn't prove anything. Um, once you uh, once you dive in, uh, once you go flat, you never globe back, is what they say. And what difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world. When you, you know, if you imagine, you know, every cell in your body is reacting to your core beliefs, whether they're conscious or not. And if your core belief is that you're spinning through an infinite space vacuum where an asteroid could take you out at any moment, we're running out of food, we're running out of fuel, we're running out of all sorts of things. Every cell in your body is having that stress that that they're not at ease. They're having dis-ease versus when you understand that you're at the center of creation, that there is no shortages, that there's plenty of land, there's plenty of food, there's plenty of water, um, and that people are generally good. They're just lost. Um, you all of a sudden you become at ease. You're no longer afraid. You're no longer um, subconsciously in fear and everything lifts up. You know, when you go, if you can make a meetup, meet one person, meet 50 people, right? Near you, you now immediately have a new set of friends with interesting things to talk about. And people are using it as a dating app also because every blue dot that I just showed you, they're, uh, they're all people that you have stuff in common with. Everyone, male or female, you can end up being a best friend, but there's people already getting married and having babies because of the app. So there you go. <laughs> well, you're creating you're creating miracles uh, in any capacity, Dave. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? Don't believe anything I say. Go verify it all. Um, if you Google Flat Earth, you're going to go nowhere. On my website, flatearthdave.com, if you can't get the app or you, whatever, um, there, there is a the Flat Earth Crash Course. Click that little button there, and it's going to give you a list of videos. Turn off Netflix for a week. Well, every night, watch another video. They're well-produced. They're fascinating. Um, and the first one is called The Next Level by Hibbler Productions. I happen to be in it. Um, and it's really a game changer for people that are new. But I challenge people, watch the first three videos. And if you're not a globe denier at the end of that, you didn't watch them. Ladies and gentlemen, Flat Earth Dave. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free 
five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.